Hello, you're listening to History and Hope, a Baptist perspective on history, culture, and theology. I'm Mark West. And I'm Matthew Lyon. And today our topic is two offices. It's a continuation of our Baptist distinctives. Two offices. Every pastor should have two offices. One office where he studies and one office where he meets with people. That's what it means. Every yeah. Baptist has had two offices in their church building. <laughs> uh, that's not what it means at all. Two offices, two positions, I guess, in the church, two official positions, namely pastor and deacons. Contrasted with Presbyterians who have three offices, they have deacons like we do, but then they have two kinds of elders, uh, ruling elders and teaching elders. So Baptists believe in two, two offices, elder and deacon or pastor and deacon or bishop and deacon. So... I think probably all of our listeners have never known anything different in the Baptist church. I can't think of a church, Baptist church that doesn't do this, but the implications of this distinctive are things. And we'll talk about these deacons versus elders or deacon boards versus elder boards. Uh, how many elders should you have one pastor? Should you have an elder board, plural pastors? Uh, can women be deacons? So deaconesses, uh, is missionary a office? Is an evangelist an office? Is a associate pastor an office in the church? Okay, so the two offices, elder slash pastor slash bishop. So Baptists traditionally believe that those are all synonymous terms. So when Baptists talk about today, bishops are sort of Catholics or Episcopalians or Lutherans. But and if you read in the, read in the King James, First Timothy three says the office of a bishop. Uh, so, but Baptists believe that bishop, elder, pastor are synonymous terms, and bishop can be translated overseer. So there's not three offices: one office of a bishop, office of a of pastor, and office of elder. It's just one with three different names. Uh, so in 1689, Second London, it says a particular church gathered. That means what we call the local church and completely organized according to the mind of Christ consists of officers and members and the officers appointed by Christ to be chosen and set apart by the church for the particular administration of ordinances and execution of power or duty, which he entrusts them with or calls them to be continued to the end of the world are. So these two offices are bishops or elders and deacons. So bishops and elders are the same thing and deacons and a big deal. So this goes back to congregational authority. Who picks these elders? Who picks these deacons? So if you go to a Lutheran church or a Methodist church, the Episcopal government means that they pick a pastor for you. Uh, but in a congregational Baptist government, all of these confessions are very clear. It says that, that Christ calls a bishop or elder in a church and that he is to be chosen by the common suffrage of the church itself, meaning suffrage, meaning vote. So the church gathers together and they just, they pick their own pastor, which is once you understand congregationalism, that's the way it has to be. Uh, and solemnly set apart by fasting and prayer with the imposition of hands. And here's the thing of the eldership of the church. If there be any before constituted therein, and a deacon that he be chosen by the like suffrage. Okay, so they clearly distinguish between an elder and a deacon. And then 
they, ref- they the scripture references and all these uh, statements of faith and teachings goes to First Timothy three. And the difference between an elder and a deacon or a bishop and a deacon are laid out there because there's two qualifications. So when we say offices, we mean official positions and they're official positions because they have qualifications. And the only two places in the Bible you find qualifications are for bishops and deacons. So there can't be a third office because there's not a third set of qualifications. And the main difference is in the name itself. A bishop or an elder means overseer. A deacon means servant. So in their titles is their duties. And that's why under the office of a overseer, they have to be apt to teach. They have to be able to communicate what God's word says to people. And they have to rule their house well because they have to govern the church. Uh, Hebrews 13 says to be in subject to them. So there's, there's authority there. Deacons, on the other hand, they're servants. They don't have to be able to teach. They don't have to govern. And what's happened in Baptist churches, especially in America, starting in really the Southern Baptist, but probably before that, they've confused deacons with elders. And so in a lot of our listeners' churches, they're going to have a deacon board, which approves what the pastor does. And so the pastor, and I was in a church like this, where the pastor had to bring things to the deacons to vote. Yeah, or they have that history, and so they don't have deacons at all because they're worried about the deacons taking over the church. Right. (laughs) Right, because these deacons were usually lifetime appointed, and the pastor kind of came and went by a vote. And so some churches keep the deacon board and are subjected to it. Other churches get rid of it, and it's just the pastor, just the overseer. Uh, But that's not what the scripture teaches. And so Baptists said, they actually called deacons the overseers of the poor. That was a common title for them. So they they were distributors of help for the poor. And so that was very clear that there's the elder, the bishop, the pastor, who it says uh, here in 1689, administration of the ordinances uh, and execution of power or duty. Whereas when they talk about the deacons, it's helping poor people with food or serving the Lord's Supper or helping people be baptized. So in the Bible and in Baptist theology, deacons can't rule. They can't be overseers or they wouldn't be deacons. They'd be overseers. They'd be elders. So what our Baptist churches need to do is recover that theology of both the Baptist faith and of the Bible and stop letting deacons make decisions like they're pastors. You can't be both. You're either a deacon who serves or you're an elder who oversees. And I think one reason that happens is because there's there's two kind of so there's two kind of Baptist churches in reference to, to a single pastor. There's a single pastor who likes being the single pastor because he gets to do whatever he wants. Then there's the single pastors who know they need help. They need somebody besides just their own opinions to help them decide. But because we've lost the the plurality of elders. We just have one pastor. They make the deacon board into a pseudo elder board. Good intentions, I think. The intention mm-hmm. being that the pastor just doesn't do whatever he wants. He's going to be accountable to some other people who the church elected. But again, the answer is not to 
redefine deacon into an unbiblical term. It's to do what the Bible says. And so in, and I've heard people say, well, Baptists don't have elders. They have one pastor. That's the Baptist way. And when I hear that, I just think I hear you're only familiar with about 50 to 100 years of Baptist history for primarily American Southern Baptist, independent Baptist. So classic example, I just read it, 1689. Uh, it says that there are bishops or elders, plural. And then in the next statement, it says that when an elder is called by the common vote of the church, and solemnly set apart by fasting and prayer with the imposition of hands, so they, they believe in laying out of hands, of the eldership of the church. In other words, there were already elders who laid hands on the new elder. They were not deacons. So this isn't every Baptist church, but it's typical in Baptist churches to have a plurality of elders. So as far as Baptist distinctives, plurality of elders is not a Baptist distinctive. Um, the distinctive is two offices, Baptists and deacon. But we've been losing that distinction because we've tried to create an elder board without elders on it, and we just put deacons on it, which means we've lost the Baptist distinctive of two offices, and we've made just one office. And in a sense, it's actually Presbyterian because the Presbyterians believe in, a, in ruling elders and teaching elders. So the teaching elder is what we would call a pastor. He, he preaches, he teaches. He's the face of the sort of the leader. And then the ruling elders are the ones who don't, they're not teaching or preaching, but they're helping decide. Well, that's what deacons have become in Baptist churches. So we've actually adopted a Presbyterian form of government in a lot of churches because we've lost this distinction. The biblical way is deacons don't make decisions, executive decisions. Elders do. And so if you need more than one person to help you decide, which, in my opinion, and I think your opinion too. A pastor trying to lead a church by himself is a terrible idea. It, it should be a necessity thing, not a decision thing. Yeah, I also think it would practically limit the amount of people that could execute the office well to an extremely small margin of people that would have the gifting and abilities right. to lead a church by themselves. There are people out there that could do that, but sure. the amount of people that could do that is... Right. And they actually... um yeah, qualifications, just because a few can doesn't mean most can. Right. The number of Baptist churches we have mean that most of them, if not overwhelming majority, should be plural. And I think in our independent Baptist circles, we've seen far more examples of solo pastors being dictators than the other way around. Yeah, and also just because they can doesn't mean they should. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there's also benefit to the church of having plural elders. Um, and then if you look at the scripture, every time elders are mentioned in Acts and Galatians, the first Timothy, first Peter, they're plural every time. They never talk about like the elder. So the, the best argument I've heard is in Revelation, where the angel of the church, that's the pastor, which I don't know. If you're getting your ecclesiology from Revelation, <laughs> man, that's that's shaky ground. And secondly, uh, who said the angels were the pastors? You can have that conclusion, but that's not a very strong conclusion. That's angels never used that way anywhere else in the Bible. 
It's possible. It also assumes that there's only one elder and not just the one that got the message. But and then the other one is in First Timothy three, where it says the overseer. But it's also given the qualifications. It's a generic form. Um, if one, it's, it, every single elder has to have a generic has to have these qualifications. But otherwise, when you're reading the Bible, Acts chapter twenty, he called the elders together. In uh, Acts chapter fifteen, the Council of Jerusalem, the elders were there. First Peter five, the elders. That's the pattern. It's such a clear pattern in the Bible that to deviate from it is not, it's not commanded, but why? And I think the answer is because in America, it's so much more efficient. Every ship has two captains. (laughs) (laughs) We just see that we have a strong leader at the top, the general, the CEO, the president, the king, um, the captain of the team, like all of these things. That's the American way. And then you have the board underneath of them. But it's just not the biblical way. And so single pastors were not. Now they're they're almost the norm. They're, they're, they are the norm. But that's only really been a, a modern invention. Um, it's always been there, but never as a standard like it is now. In the New Testament, certainly not the standard. And so if you read the New Testament, especially the book of Acts and the, and the pastoral epistles, the pattern is inescapable you should have a plural you should have plurality of elders uh, it's not a baptist distinctive though because the bible doesn't require it but from our baptist perspective it's the typical typical pattern and it's certainly helpful and i'd like to see a church with one pastor who has biblical deacons and not a deacon board and how he manages not to be in control of that church I think a lot of times it's small churches when you don't have enough people to actually have plural. And that's, that makes sense. But the people arguing for it usually don't have small churches. And it's hard to have plural elders, but it's, it's a safety mechanism. And so the, um, but it is, it is part of Baptist history. I just don't trust a pastor, a church with one pastor. Not that they're doing anything wrong. I just have seen it gone go too bad, too too um, poorly in American history, especially independent Baptist, where there's no accountability. Uh, but that doesn't also doesn't mean that because you have elders, you're you're accountable. For example, John MacArthur, um, he has a board of elders, but I, from everything I've seen, from the investigation into his school, by the accrediting board to people who've been to that school, to eyewitness accounts of how rape allegations were handled, John MacArthur runs that place as a single elder. Um, so I, it's not healthy. So it also, when we talk about um, other offices in the church, if there's only two, then where do the associate pastors fall in? Like, where's the biblical... It's certainly not in the Baptist faith. So why are there, why is an associate pastor and assistant pastor standard? And when I refer to associate pastor, I mean you have the head pastor, and then there's these guys who work for him who are not equal with him, and they're called associate or assistant pastors. Yeah. Is that a biblical office? Like, where's the justification? 
it's it's practical, right? It's the same reason there's vice presidents and CFOs and CIOs. Right. Because Yeah, you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. Which is very practical, but as we've learned in the first point of Baptist Distinctives, biblical authority, where's the example in the Bible? It's not wrong to have associate pastors, but where's their biblical justification? Well, didn't didn't uh, Paul take assistance with him on his journeys? He did. Timothy so. was probably one. Were they assistant pastors? That's the question. Not are there assistants? <laughs> um, you definitely have to assist, but. When you look at the church website and it says senior pastor, and then underneath of it says assistant pastor, and nowhere does it say that they're equal elders. The assistant pastor is subordinate. He's the second man, as they call him. Where'd that model come from? I mean, I know it came where it came from, but where is that model in the Bible? It's not. What about assistant to the pastor? <laughs> Uh, valid question. <laughs> That's the guy who can't make it as the pastor. And so they give him an honorary title. Uh, no, this, this office of assistant pastor where you can go to Bible colleges and get a degree and being an assistant pastor, which is not a biblical role, certainly not a biblical office, but the most prominent place that you find that is in Baptist churches. So if you want to call him something, you could call him assistant. Actually, assistant to the pastor would be more appropriate. Yeah, I feel like, like um, when I've heard talking about assistants, preaching on assistant pastors and what good assistant pastors can do for a pastor, there's mm -hmm. always references to like Aaron and, you know, other Old Testament right. models of people that helped the man of God. Sure. Like that's don't call him the pastor. Don't call him a bishop or an elder, like call him an assistant to the pastor. And that's great. You should know. No pastor can do his job without people helping him. But we've made up offices in the church and now we can get degrees in those made up offices. Uh, what we should be doing is going back to the biblical pattern and having multiple pastors, multiple elders who do help each other and do take the, the, the weight off. Um, so assistant pastor if it means like Mark Dever has assistant pastors, but he clearly lays out that they are basically assistants to the pastor. Um, and if he, he has associate pastors too, and we do, I think we have in our constitution associate pastor, but they're also elders, which means they're equal with the pastor and authority. They just have different roles. Uh, what, the other one's evangelist. There's no biblical office of evangelist. Um, if you say there is, you're saying that Baptist missed it, which you can say that. I mean, that's it's a viable position. Lutherans and Methodists and whoever else has these multiple offices, they are Christians. They're saved. They believe the Bible. But Baptists don't believe in the office of an evangelist, historically. Uh, there's the gift of an evangelist in Ephesians um, was it 4, 5, where Christ ascended. And gave gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, but also pastors and teachers. And no one thinks that there's the office of a teacher in the church. So there's not the office of an evangelist. And, but we've made it into an office because in America, it's it's a very practical thing to have. 
church evangelist. Um, it's just not, it's not in the Bible. Philip was an evangelist, but his, his office was a deacon. And then he went out and did the work of an evangelist. Pastors are supposed to do the work of an evangelist. Same with missionaries. Where's the office of missionary? We create an entire class of Christians called missionaries with no biblical qualifications. Like what qualifications do you have to have to be a missionary? Do you have to be apt to teach? Do you have to, to be patient? Do you have to be long suffering? What are they? They're not listed. So missionaries kind of do whatever they want and draw from a pastor's qualifications. Except when they go overseas, they're not subject to the church that made them a pastor. And so they operate as like this third office. And it's just not, not the Baptist way. What happens when you start, and people are going to maybe push back and say, well, so you're against evangelists. You're against missionaries. It's like, no. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of a missionary. Go and tell people the gospel. Uh, then go plant churches in, in other countries or places that don't have churches. But those aren't offices with qualifications and powers. I think Paul's example was he, well, first of all, Paul was an apostle. So that's a category into itself. But he was an elder. Peter was an elder. If he planted a church, he was the pastor of that church. And then when he moved on, he appointed pastors to replace him. So missionaries can be a job description, church planner, in, in, in unevangelized areas, but it's not an office. And evangelists can be a job description, but it's not an office. Um, same with assistant pastor. So one of the things we want to talk about was, well, the deacons. What do deacons do? They have no authority. That's not delegated to them. They have no executive authority. So who can be a, who can be a deacon? And the big debate is whether women can be deacons, which in American Baptist life, people tend to say no right off the bat. But that's because they've made deacons and elders. And so Baptists traditionally have believed that the role of an elder is reserved for a man. And I think that's right. I think First Timothy 2 and other places reserve that. So then if a deacon operates like an elder, then that restriction would apply to them too. But as we've already talked about, that's an unbiblical description. So what does a deacon do? A deacon is a servant designated and ordained by the church to carry out a certain job. Serving tables, helping the poor, carrying out the Lord's Supper, whatever it may be. So can a woman be a deacon? Well, if the initial resistance is the authority issue, once you take that authority away from a deacon, that goes away. And so actually hell is in the first Baptist confession, uh, would that be 1612, I believe, refers to pastors and deacons, men and women. So the role of a woman in a deacon's position, you can trace it all the way back to the very first Baptist confession in the 1600s. So if someone says, Baptists don't, real Baptists don't have women as deacons. Well, that's an old position. And then even more recently, B.H. Carroll, who founded 
Southwestern Theological Seminary. He put out a statement in 1877, or there's, he pastored First Baptist Church of Fort Worth, I believe. And in the records from 1877, they elected six women as deacons. So that's just a couple examples of prominent Baptists who've elected women as deacons with the understanding that they are going to do the job as described in the Bible and would be like Phoebe, who in Romans 16.1 is described as diakonos, which is the Greek word for deacon, for deacon or servant. The word deaconess is not in the Bible because it wasn't invented for like 200 years after the Bible was written. There was only one word. And so people would argue, well, in First Timothy 3, uh, it says the deacon's wife must also be. But I think if you study that out, that's not quite as clear. The word wife can also mean woman. First Timothy 3.11, it says their, their wives likewise. Actually, let me get the... This is kind of why I like the King James and New King James. Because the italics. Uh, yeah, so likewise, now the word there is in italics, is added for clarification. So when we read it, likewise, their wives, oh, the deacon's wives. So therefore, the deacon must all be men, except that the there is added for clarification. So it could be read, likewise, wives must be reverent. And the word wives is equally translated as women. So it could be, likewise, women must be reverent. And if you notice the breakdown... 3.1, this is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop or an overseer, so there's the first office. Eight, likewise, deacons. That's the second. Then verse 11, likewise, women. And they have the same qualifications. The qualifications aren't as long because in a lot of ways they would apply to, to the job of a deacon. So wives can be translated women, uh, Likewise shows that it's similar divisions. And then why doesn't the elder's wife have any qualifications? Like, let's be honest. Who has more impact in a church, a deacon's wife or the pastor's wife? Obviously the pastor's wife. And yet there's no qualifications for her. That doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm much more concerned that the pastor's wife is reverent, not slander, temperate, faithful in all things than a deacon's wife. So that leads me to believe here it's not we're talking about deacon's wife. It's talking about women who are deacons. And since the word deaconess didn't exist, it lays it out this way. Baptists go both ways on this. Um, but Phoebe was a deacon. So this before, doesn't. Sorry, before I move on from First Timothy, what about verse twelve? Right when it goes back, where it says, "Let the deacons each be the husband of one wife." Yeah, um, I think the likewise their wives is a, for the most part, the description of a deacon applies to a, a woman deacon, right? Likewise, de deacons must be reverent, not double tongue, not given to much wine. Not These are not gender specific, holding the mystery of faith with pure conscience. Let them first be tested, but let them, right? These are all generic. Likewise, women be reverent, going right off of that previous verse not slanders, temperate, faithful in all things. And then there's a gender specific. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their house as well. That wouldn't apply to women deacons, especially in this culture where the idea of a woman ruling her house or being the husband or being the wife of one husband just was 
it was impossible. So I think that's a gender specific, um, whereas everything else was not. And it's it's really the English translation that's getting us. That's making it it's making it hard for people to accept it because they, it says their wives like it says it right there because we can't get past the language barrier. But if you were to retranslate and, and say, likewise, women must be reverent. It would be harder to make the case that that it's just for wives. Um, and again, what's the, what's the barrier? It's this idea that deacons are in charge of something. Well, no, that's the job of an overseer. And so Baptists have understood that. Not all Baptists, but some prominent ones. So we have women deacons in our church. Um, it doesn't. The, the scriptures are, are pretty clear in our opinion. And Baptist history leaves it open. I think women deacons and plural elders are in the same category. The Bible doesn't command them or forbid them. I think it gives a pattern for them, but it's not unbiblical to have one pastor or no women. I think the problem is when you go the other way and you say it's unbiblical to have plural elders or to have women deacons. And you can believe that for sure, but you can't say that's the Baptist way. Um, so th that gets to the, the idea of ordination. A lot of debate about whether ordination is biblical. And what do you think of when you think of ordination? Uh, a church signifying someone to be a pastor. Yeah. So I've been on a couple ordination boards. It's it's a stamp of approval in a way. It's like setting someone into the office. It's not in the Bible in those terms, ordination. And then I think the real catch is when it's a permanent stamp, like you're ordained into the Catholic Church permanently. Baptists realize, well, just because you were ordained by First Baptist Church of Middle of Nowhere, Arkansas, I'm not sure we should recognize that in Maryland or Ohio. Like, it doesn't make sense. And so I think people are uncomfortable with this idea of a permanent ordination. And I think the reason they're uncomfortable is because it's not biblical. <laughs> There's no reason to assume that one church was correct in ordaining someone. And what does the Bible say? So, so like in, in the statement of faith, it says a particular church, keyword particular, which goes right back to, our second point, autonomy of the local church. So a particular church gathered and completely organized according to the mind of Christ consists of officers and members. Uh, and these officers appointed by Christ are to be chosen and set apart by the church, so called and gathered. So that local church gathered together appoints their own ministers. The modern term is ordination. The biblical term was sort of set apart but they would like they would lay hands on them or set them apart. It basically means you designate them to be in this office. Okay. When you go to a new church, that church didn't designate you to do anything. So if you produce an ordination certificate from another church, that church would be like, well, that's a nice, I'm glad that they did that. We'll take that into account, but that has no bearing on our church. There's no authority from that ordination council on this church. 
some of these Bible colleges, they'll tell the students because the Bible college ordained them. I've seen that. I think when they graduate, they get ordained, which is problematic. <laughs> they'll say something like, if you change anything that you say to here, you need to send back your ordination. And I always want to be like, I would send it back even if you didn't change anything <laughs> because you have no authority here, right? Ordination is a temporary or a ordination is a local thing, local to that body of believers because the authority is local. As when Gandalf the white disguises Gandalf the gray goes to Rohan and Theoden the king, who's under the control of, of Worm uh, Tongue, says to him, You have no power here. He was wrong because it wasn't Gandalf the Grey, it was Gandalf the White. But Baptist churches need to take up that line and say to someone who's been ordained somewhere else, You have that, that ordination has no power here. That local church needs to decide if that person is ready for that job. So I am ordained, I'm an ordained pastor in our church, and you're an ordained elder in our church. When either of us go to a new church, that ordination disappears along with our membership in that church. So, and that go, that's the Baptist way. Local church autonomy, congregational authority means that ordination refers to the offices of that, as he says here, that particular church gathered. And what I see it happening with these ordinations is a bunch of, of pastors or leaders are trying to control the people they're ordaining. Because everyone wants to control people, especially if they think they're right. And in, in Baptist circles, you don't have denominations, independent Baptists. So you use these ordination certificates to control the people who are going out from your church, school, whatever. And saying, if you change anything, we're threatening you. You're going to lose your ordination. Well, that's just, that's just control. Uh, and Baptists have always opposed that sort of thing. So we ordain deacons and elders to do a certain to an office in a local church and not into another church because we have no authority over those other churches. And the Bible way is the best way. That's the Baptist motto, as it were. So if we would reorganize our churches to have a board of elders and a group of deacons who serve, everyone would be happier. And you wouldn't have these pseudo deacons and pseudo elders, and you wouldn't have one pastor ruling the church by himself and you wouldn't have a lone pastor trying to figure out what his deacons are or what they're supposed to do. Um, is he supposed to get approval from them? What are the There's no qualifications for deacons to be rulers, overseers. And so often deacons don't have, they don't meet the qualifications. Uh, so if we go back to the Bible and what the Baptist faith can teach us, a lot of these, we'll, we'll see the American way. And then we'll see the Baptist way. And those are not synonymous. And there's a lot of church corruption and bad ecclesiology and unbiblical practices. Because, well, I mean, the Bible and Baptist, in our opinion, are the same thing. So we're not saying do it the Baptist way and the Bible way. Like we believe the Baptist way is the Bible way. So the reason American Baptist churches, especially independent Baptist churches, are doing it the wrong way it's not because they've rejected the Baptist faith. It's because they've rejected the Bible. And some of them just need to be honest and say, and I actually have a friend who, who did this. He, we were arguing about congregational government. 
And he said, well, we're not going to be Baptists anymore. And I'm like, oh, well, that clears it up. He's like, we're going to go to a hybrid, of, I think, sort of a Baptist slash Presbyterian model. Well, I don't think it's a good idea, but he had the integrity, as it were, to say, well, we're not doing it the Baptist way. We're not going to pretend to be Baptist. And that's what needs to happen with these independent Baptist churches and Southern Baptist churches. Stop pretending to be Baptist. You just come out and say, well, we're going to do things different. That's what John MacArthur did. He doesn't call himself Baptist. I think it's Grace Community Church. So, you know, at least he has the integrity to renounce the tradition when he leaves the, tr the tradition. So anyway, hopefully that helps our Baptist brethren to either reform their churches or rename their churches. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, you can email us at podcast at historyandhope.com or message us on Twitter at History and Hope. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or any podcast app of your choice.